The ability to bend spoons, control objects, or even control people's minds seems like something you'd read in a sci-fi novel or see in a movie. But what happens when a massive global intelligence agency sets off to uncover and harness these psychic powers for their own benefit? Project Stargate was the code name for the CIA's secret study into how psychic powers could be weaponized for security purposes from the early 70s to the mid-90s. Basically, was it possible to gather intelligence and view places or objects at a great distance through psychic means? The most astonishing thing about the 23-year program? It worked. Despite this, and consulting on hundreds of top-secret intelligence operations for over two decades, Project Stargate was terminated and declassified in 1995 after a CIA report concluded that, quote, it was never useful in any intelligence operation, end quote. Or wasn't it? This is Supernatural Matters, a psychic story original, and I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Every other Wednesday, I'll be sharing an unexplained mystery, leaving you to ultimately decide, natural or supernatural. This week's episode about Project Stargate is broken into two parts. This is part one. You can find all episodes of Supernatural Matters for free on your favorite podcast player or at SupernaturalMatters.com. And if you like what you're hearing, reach out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at A Psychic Story or 1-800-880-1881. During the Cold War, the United States and the Soviet Union were in an intense rivalry to outdo one another. The U.S. believed that anything Russia did, they could do better. Both countries were particularly interested in psychokinesis, the ability to move objects with one's mind, and extrasensory perception, or ESP. ESP is the ability to perceive things outside of the typical five senses, including mental telepathy, seeing the future, and remote viewing. Government interest in the paranormal, like telekinesis, makes sense. If such things are proven to be true and reliable, then they have obvious military importance. Someone who can move objects without touching them might be able to deactivate missile guidance systems, for instance. And a remote viewer could spy on enemies from the safety of an armchair in America. While a telepath could discern someone's true intentions or help break codes. If psychic powers truly were real, that meant that whoever had psychic spies on their side would have a clear advantage. The major difference between the Soviets' approach was that they were conducting experiments with the scientific method. At this point, the United States had only looked at the potential existence of psychic powers from a psychological perspective, not something that could be scientifically studied and applied within the real world. As early as the 1920s, Leningrad State University in Russia had been working with soldiers in an attempt to send telepathic messages to people in submarines and record the results. And 50 years later, there were over 30 centers in the USSR that were studying paranormal activity or parapsychology. The basis of these Soviet studies was in bioenergetics, which is the belief that all living things give off energy. If they could tap into that energy, then they could read minds and even move things at will. However, the US government wasn't interested in studying this theory at length like the Soviets. 
Instead, they wanted to find out whether hypnosis could be used as a tool to control someone's mind. So in the early 1970s, after a classified video began to circulate around the Pentagon in which a Soviet woman supposedly appears to stop a frog's heart with just her mind, the U.S. government scrambles to catch up and not be outdone. They kick off a series of extensive studies over two decades to determine whether or not information could be obtained psychically to help fulfill the CIA's mission. Over the years, many different codenames for the program was used, including Gondola Wish, Girl Flame, Center Lane, Project CF, Sunstring, and Scanty, until 1991 when everything was consolidated and renamed the Stargate Project. One of their first volunteer test subjects is a 23-year-old man named Yuri Geller. Yuri was best known in the 1960s and 70s for his alleged ability to bend metal spoons with his mind or make clocks stop on command. Other participants of Yuri marveled at his ability to read their thoughts or implant ideas in their heads. His reputation grew after he accurately predicted the death of Gamal Abdel Nasir, the president of Egypt during a TV show in 1970. But the CIA was much more interested in his claim that he had the ability to read minds and even control them with his own. So the director of the CIA personally signs off to bring Yuri in. A CIA analyst named Kit Green is going to oversee the classified program and ensure things are done right, including sweeping the location of the Stanford Research Institute for Bugs and Yuri himself. It is also planned to have a magician on site to witness the activities and ensure that there is no sleight of hands or other tricks being used. Finally, in November 1972, physicists Russell Targ and Harold Putoff began to subject Yuri to a series of tests to see if he was truly psychic. One test involved dice. A single die was placed in a box by a researcher in another room. The box was sealed, shaken, and placed in front of Yuri. The objective was to see if Yuri displayed remote viewing capabilities, and each time he correctly determined which number was on top. Eight times in a row. The odds of that happening were about a million to one. Another test involved 10 aluminum film canisters. Some were empty, others contained objects like a magnet or a dropper of water. Just by looking at them, Yuri was to determine what was inside each canister without touching them. And again, Yuri accurately determined each one 12 times in a row he logged a perfect score. The odds of this were one in a trillion. There were two trials, though, that Yuri refused to answer. And interestingly, these were ones in which the objects themselves, a ball bearing and a sugar cube, were covered in paper. He couldn't seem to sense what those were. In another experiment, Yuri is able to affect a magnetometer just by sitting by it. And in another, they test Yuri's alleged telekinesis and, spoiler, he wasn't able to bend a spoon. That was indeed just a magic trick. This next experiment, however, is mind-blowing. A stack of double sealed envelopes with index cards of drawings were locked inside a safe. The researchers would select an envelope at random, look at the picture, seal it back up, and Yuri, located in a completely other room, would have to draw it just by reading their minds. Every single time, seven of them to be exact, he got it right. He was able to draw a near perfect depiction. The Pentagon and the US Department of Defense, however, were skeptical. Ray Hyman, professor of psychology at the University of Oregon, was asked by Air Force psychologist Lieutenant Colonel Austin W. Kibler, 
who at the time was the Director of Behavioral Research for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, to go to SRI and investigate, specifically to evaluate whether Yuri was legit or just using stage tricks. Upon investigating, Hyman concluded back to his report to the government that Yuri was a fraud. He said that Targ and Putov were biased since they were believers in paranormal powers and Yuri was not adequately searched before the experiments. There were also claims that Yuri could have cheated on the test by potentially peeking through a hole in the lab wall separating him from the drawings he was told to recreate. As a result of the report claims, the CIA ups the stakes to prevent any possibility of cheating or fraud. For the next round of experiments, Yuri is isolated in a double-walled, soundproofed, electrically shielded room. While he is securely in this room, a researcher in a completely different room picked up a large dictionary. After randomly selecting a word, fuse, the researcher then drew a firecracker and let Yuri know through an intercom that the target picture was ready for him to draw a replica. Yuri immediately responded that he saw a cylinder with a noise coming out of it and drew a drum that is pretty similar to the firecracker drawn by the researcher. The next word selected from the dictionary was bunch. So the researcher drew a bunch of grapes, 24 to be exact. Yuri told officials that he saw what looked like drops coming out of the picture and purple circles. And he then proceeded to draw exactly, you guessed it, 24 grapes. They try this experiment different ways, with Yuri and scientists in the room, separated from one another in different rooms. Researchers were even used in other locations across the country. Images were sometimes drawn by hand on paper, and other times a visual was created by a computer and even saved on the hard drive. Each time, Yuri gets it right, every time, except on two occasions. Oddly, the two times Yuri doesn't get the picture correct is when a researcher that he didn't like or get along with drew the image. According to official reports, Yuri wasn't always able to verbally define or replicate the picture exactly. Sometimes he could only draw part of the picture correctly, leading scientists to believe that he did some sort of mental processing on his own before drawing them. Regardless, the CIA's final report about Yuri concluded he, quote, demonstrated his paranormal perception ability in a convincing and unambiguous manner, end quote. The apparent success of these experiments with Yuri led to further studies, which in turn resulted in the term the Yuri effect to refer to the particular type of psychic abilities they felt had been demonstrated. The CIA now wanted to see if they could train psychic agents to move things with their minds. To do this, they invite a renowned psychic from New York named Ingo Swan to participate in Project Stargate. In one psychokinesis experiment, Ingo was shown an instrument and how it works. They then asked him to use his mind to alter the instrument's behavior. With each experiment, they brought Ingo further and further away from the instrument until he was separated by researchers and the item by two steel walls. In 80% of the sessions, they saw significant results that the instrument moved. In a different type of test, researchers are sent out at a random location and ask Ingo, sitting back at SRI, in a Faraday cage, of all things, to mentally project and describe what they see. The theory is that the people at these specific locations would act like a beacon and allow Ingo to connect to the surroundings telepathically. And while the CIA and researchers were amazed at the results, Ingo was underwhelmed. He felt that the experiments trivialized his abilities 
And if an intelligence agency could get a spy to a physical location, why would they need a remote viewer? Ingo suggests that he be given coordinates instead. Kit Green, the CIA overseer, thinks that the idea is flawed, even though it is crazy to assume that a person can memorize every coordinate around the globe and produce pictures from memory in an atlas, it was still possible. So Kit comes up with a better idea to design an essentially fraud-proof experiment. He walks down the hall and asks the first person he sees to choose a place that meant something to him personally. Reason being, if a sketch of the place was later shown, that it could be identified. Kit was given coordinates north 38 degrees, 23 minutes, 45.48 seconds, west 79 degrees, 25 minutes, 0 seconds. When the coordinates are later given to Ingo, he describes and draws rolling hills, a city to the north, one road leading to the south and another to the north, a river to the east. Ingo added that it is a strange place, like an abandoned military base with a bunch of buildings and old bunkers. A circular driveway led to the main building and a flagpole was located in the center. The session lasted a total of six minutes. Later, as Putoff, the lead researcher, is putting his report together, he gets a call from another psychic, Pat Price. On a whim, Putoff gives the same coordinates to Pat. Pat gives the impression that the location and building is affiliated with the Army Corps of Engineers, a placard on a gray steel desk with the name Sergeant Long. Locked file cabinets and extra security was everywhere. There were two code names that seemed important to mention, Flytrap and Minerva. Pat also told Putoff that he was able to view a set of documents that were sitting on top of a file cabinet against the north wall. The file was labeled Operation Pool, but he couldn't make up the last word. Inside the file cabinet were several folders with labels like cue ball, 14 ball, eight ball, rack up, and haystack. And he'd been able to determine the names of three individuals, Colonel R.J. Hamilton, Major General George R. Nash, and Major John C. Calhoun. Finally, Pat told Putoff the classified code name of the site. It was Sugar Grove, he said. Putoff had no idea what to make of any of this except that Price's description of the target site exterior was strikingly similar to the one provided by Ingo Swan. He thought about sending Price's narrative to Kit Green, but decided to wait and see what the agency said about Ingo's information. Pat Price was not part of the SRI program after all. Meanwhile, back at the CIA, Kit received the information provided by Ingo and shared it with his colleague who had provided the coordinates. He said that none of it was accurate. Not the flagpole, the circular driveway, the supposed bunkers. So Kit asked what the actual location was and was told that it was his summer cabin in Pendleton County, West Virginia, a simple cabin located in the forest at the end of a long dirt road. Kit resigned himself to the fact that maybe the idea of remote viewing by geographical coordinates just wasn't possible. But after being told that another psychic, albeit one that wasn't in the SRI program, Pat Price, had seen the exact same thing, Kit couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. So he decided to drive to the location himself. He found the cabin and the dirt road, sure enough, but then he drove down the road a little further. That is when he saw it come into view a secure military facility, complete with a flagpole and circular driveway. Kit was looking at a highly classified military facility called the Naval Radio Station, Sugar Grove to be exact. 
an ultra-secret facility run in part by the NSA designed to intercept international electronic intelligence from around the world. The site contained classified radar systems and deep space telescopes, and it was right down the road from his colleague's summer cabin who had no idea it existed. On Monday morning, Kit Green wrote up a report for his superior at the CIA. The very next day, SRI gets a visit from the CIA's security officers because the information was so accurate it triggered an investigation. After this experiment, the CIA was so convinced that Ingo really did have psychic powers that they put him in charge of more projects. During the 1970s, there had never been any satellites sent to the planet Jupiter. NASA had just launched a satellite to Jupiter called Pioneer 10, and they were curious to see if they could send a psychic probe to the planet at the same time and see if the remote viewing descriptions matched the reality of the mysterious planet. Both Ingo Swan and another person named Harold Sherman were placed in sensory deprivation tanks and asked to remote view to the other planet. Their descriptions of Jupiter were recorded independently of one another, and yet they both described almost identical visions. Their descriptions are so similar, it is truly like they rehearsed their lines beforehand, but they had no way of knowing that they were 100% accurate to the reality. They both described multicolored streams of thick clouds that surrounded the planet, harsh storms, the big red spot, and floating crystals. Throughout space exploration in the 2000s, NASA captured high-definition photographs of Jupiter. We now know that the surface of Jupiter looks exactly like what Swan and Sherman described. But what about missions? Did the CIA ever get past the experiment stage and deploy psychics in the field? The answer is yes. We share some in part two of the Stargate project. Thank you for listening to part one of this Supernatural Matters episode. What do you think so far? Does the Stargate project provide evidence of actual psychic abilities being put to the test? Or is it merely a bunch of false claims compiled over the years? Check out the photos and other evidence at SupernaturalMatters.com and head over to A Psychic Story on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to give us your thoughts. You can also leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. You can find all episodes of Supernatural Matters for free online or on your favorite podcast player. Okay.